Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the professional series. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited today. I've got my special guest, Scott Malcolm from Money Mechanics joining me. He's an absolute gun and he is really, really switched on when it comes to complex financial planning. He's my go-to guy when I've got something that's out of the box or a little tricky. So without further ado, I'm going to get him on the podcast and let's get rolling. Thanks so much, Scotty. Let's get into it. Scotty Malcolm. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, buddy. Hi, SJ. Great to be here. Thanks for, uh, for having me and thanks for motivating me to kick off my own podcast as well. Thank you for joining me. So you, we've known each other for the last five years and in that time, I have constantly been impressed by the breadth of financial planning knowledge, the passion you have for the financial planning industry and specifically creating great outcomes for your clients. Uh, one of the things that one of the greatest criticisms of our industry is that people don't care or there's a fee for service or there's a or, or sort of, you know, fees for um, services that are not provided, or it's just quite negligible in terms of the value that the financial planner provides. The counterbalance to that is meet my friend, Scott Malcolm. You are fantastic when it comes to providing value for clients. You are fantastic when it comes to creating outcomes. And I'm constantly impressed by the, the strategies and skills that you've got. So um, thank you for making my advice better. Thanks, SJ. I'm I'm pleasure to be here and a pleasure to help on your journey as a financial planner as well. I do I do love talking to other financial planners about the industry, about the lived experience that we all have in the industry, um, as well as look. I, I do call it a financial planning practice, like it is a practice. It's something that we do, and I've I've had other planners not like that word because practice makes them feel like oh well I'm I'm the expert, I'm the professional, I'm not practicing. Well, we are like we're practicing. We are we are doing something on a daily basis. We're born into this financial system. We are the experts that talk to people about the money stuff. And again, not one of us, not one single person controls that or has more power than any other person. So uh, that's what I get passionate about, just helping people to unpack that and be passionate about it. So Scotty, I'm going to fire some quick fire questions at you. If I'm listening to this podcast right now where I don't have a financial planner or I'm thinking about seeing a financial planner, what are, the, what are the, I'm not saying the three things or the five things, what are the things that I should be doing straight away to be considering preparing to work with someone like us? Okay, I'll go and say buy. If you haven't already got it, I'm going to be contentious. Go and buy the Barefoot Investor. Go and read Scott Pape's stuff and get a good insight to what money means and get some of the, the jargon. If you're what if you're listening to this audio, I'm currently holding the Barefoot Investor book because I have that within arm's reach at all points in time. And, and I do want to give us a shout out. I know Scott Pape's probably too busy these days to listen to this, but when I first set my business up um, nine no eleven years ago now, oh, well time flies when you're having fun. Um, I actually sent him an email because I was on his mailing list, and I just sent him an email saying, "Look, I've just set up my business." It was a Friday afternoon. It was one of my first few weeks in business. I think I was having a bit of a flat afternoon. I was like, "Oh, why am I doing this?" And he actually called me. Uh, huh. I've still got his mobile number. I don't, I don't know if it's still the same mobile number, so I won't go giving that out. But he gave me a call and he's just, he's such a like down to earth guy. And he just basically was like, oh, awesome, Rora, I'd love to meet you. And he's obviously down in Melbourne, but now, now out in country Victoria. And we haven't actually had that ability to meet yet. But I just think his passion, the way he educates people, the way he talks about stuff is just really inspiring. And I know a lot of other planners don't like how he talks about stuff because they say, oh, it simplifies it too much or he's trying to remove us from the, from the picture. I think the message yeah. in there is actually go and pay for good quality advice, but don't pay for stuff that you don't need. 
I totally agree with you. And um, I think if someone, if you ever meet a financial planner or someone who goes, I don't like the barefoot investor, I think it's because they're threatened by him. I, I love it. His insurance angle is fantastic. Following the bucket list strategy for your cash flow is fine. Everyone's cash flow is a little different, but if you follow that, it works. But it's like any diet. If you follow a diet, it works. You just got to stick to it. And it's nice that it's a simple, it's a simple process. So that's good. All right. So step one, I need to get the book. I need to follow the book. Step two, why do I need you, Scotty? Where do you come in? Look, I think where we add value is just that extra layer of insight. So financial planning isn't rocket science. It's not complicated. Like the the simple stuff works when it comes to financial advice. And so I'm often saying to people, you don't need someone like me in your life. You don't need someone like Scott Jackson in your life. But where we add value is that we help to give context to your decision-making framework when it comes to the money stuff. So that is 101 what financial advice is. Financial advice is purely and simply a decision-making framework around your money. Unfortunately, because of how the advice industry has evolved, there is now a truck ton of legislation to help protect consumers from poor advice outcomes. And that has actually increased compliance and obviously then increased the the cost to access advice. I really appreciate that that sentence around the, the cost of advice because you should be willing to pay for something that's good. What I like to talk about is that Whatever you pay us, it will come back in the future via simplified cash flow, simplified superannuation options. And this is something that I had a conversation with someone recently. They had a Host Plus account and they were buying and selling shares inside the super fund directly. And what I said to them, I was like, and this guy was a poker player. So I said, well, this is the oldest analogy that I could possibly think of. But if you go and sit down at a poker table and you can't see who the mug is, you're that guy. I had a client of mine who was buying and selling shares inside their superannuation fund. And I think I'd just been watching Molly's game, which was that uh, the, the movie around the poker playing thing. And, and the, the analogy I said, if you don't know who the mug is at the table, you're the mug. If you're trying to buy and sell and trade investments and you don't have any experience and you don't have a trading edge and you don't do it full time, you will lose. It's, it's a mathematical certainty. You might get lucky initially, but it's a 100% guaranteed result that you will not be able to at least not even outperform the market, but like you'll be even lucky to have, have your money in the future because that's just how markets work. If you literally watch the first five minutes of The Wolf of Wall Street uh, and there's that scene with Matthew Mahogany, unfortunately, people, people get sort of a bit, bit focused on what actually they're doing at the table, but they actually put that scene in the movie specifically to answer the question, which he answers, no one knows where the stock markets are going to be tomorrow. No one does. If anyone does, they're lying or they have an inside edge and they're not going to tell anyone anyway. So if you think that you can outperform the market, it's answered in the first five minutes of the Wolf of Wall Street movie. No one knows what's going on. The only way to actually consistently grow wealth is to have a strategy, is to have a mindset around what's going to work with there and then use that framework or, or alternatively outsource it to professional managers who themselves do this every day, who themselves have a consistent trading edge and have got a clear track record on how they manage money and how they, they aim to at least outperform the market. So there is ways to do it. It's just about having a strategy. So that's it. Okay, so step one, what we've done is we've bought the Barefoot Investor book. We've done the insurance strategy. We've done a little bit around mindset about what we want to do for the market and appreciate that whilst financial advice is not right for everyone, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in the top 20% of income earners just because you've probably got an iPhone or an Android phone and you are actually interested in listening to two financial planners talk about money. What's the next steps? Where do we go from there, Scotty Malk? Well, SJ, I think we even take a step back from that. So it's actually about looking within a little bit 
ourselves and actually going, right, well, what's our past experience been around money? We're, we're all born into this financial system and that's the one commonality we all have as human beings. And I'll, I will plug our podcast, the, the Looking Under the Hood podcast, where we've just launched recently and we're unpacking some of the, the money stuff. But we're born into this system. So little human beings, we come into this financial system, we start developing thoughts, feelings, habits, attitudes, behaviours around it. And it's complex stuff. We're, we're picking up all these different things. And so family of origin is a big thing. Like oh, I'm very different around money than my brother is. I'm very different around money than my parents are. But again, they went their career public or were career public servants and went down a different path. Whereas I've been a bit more um, of a risk taker and I've set up my own business and, and gone down that path. So it's about just being looking within and looking at your own self and habits, attitudes, behaviors, beliefs, and seeing what habits and, and things in there support you, but see what other things might actually sabotage your behavior. Because if you start any journey and you go, right, I'm, I've read The Barefoot Investor, I'm now going to start, start my, uh, my splurge accounts and my fire, fire hydrant accounts, and I'm going to start saving money, buy some ETFs, go along the way. If you haven't looked within, if you haven't looked at some of this, the obstacles that might get in the way and trip you up, then I would give you maybe 12, 18 months of going down that path, maybe even six to 12 months, depending on, on how attuned you are to it, before you sell because markets get volatile. You stop salary sacrificing to super because the, the share, you heard that the share market was going backwards. It's all about behavior. And so being aware of your behavior, um, but also being aware, so looking within, but also then looking without and outside, I guess, to say, well, where do I want to be going? Where do I want to be at the end of the day? Oh, I feel so calm and relaxed, Scotty. Oh, thanks, SJ. Absolutely. So that's it. So what's it? And this is this is my take on that, which is nowhere near, near as eloquent as what you say, but is I like to talk to my clients around the concept of, I want your 10-year goals to be so clear that you can taste them. You can feel them. You can feel the sand on your feet or you're up in the mountains or you're skiing or snowing or doing whatever your goals are because it's that point in the sand or in the mountain that's going to say, okay, I'm going to continue going forward because that's exactly what Scotty's talking about. We are, and I give it, it's a bad analogy, but the analogy of a personal trainer is it's just maintaining that discipline and maintaining that, that accountability to a professional. And if you get three years down the plan of a 10 year plan, and then the pergola needs to get fixed or that holiday that comes up, or we get invited to that family wedding, or there's a funeral, or there's a big cost that comes up and it's making those choices, which are going to be a short-term choice versus the long-term gain. And if you're three years into a 10-year plan, you've still got seven years to go. You still need to stick to it. And it comes back to that. Why do I make my choices around money? What things am I, am I ashamed about? Or what things do I want to change? And how do I continue to stick on this path? And, and you need that really strong why to maintain that discipline, to keep moving forwards and to stay on the path. And, and that's something that, that's wonderful to see from our perspective because we can help people stay on that path. Hmm. And, and also to help clarify that because, and, and SJ, I think that G word is a little bit uh, loaded at times, especially in our industry. We all talk about goals and goals-based advice and, and all this sort of stuff, but that sits in our head. That sits in our head space. So we, again, human beings, financial planners, we love being technical because it's safe. It's nice and easy, but let's actually talk about values. Let's talk from a heart space. Let's actually pull that stuff down. And so 
I love that colleagues of mine and, and people in the industry do get fired up about, oh, yes, I'm a goals-based advisor and I'm doing this and I'm talking about people. And look, I'm sure they are coming from a heart space at the best of times, but it's actually about helping human beings hold a really nice, safe space to talk about the money stuff. Like the best conversations I have with clients, working with couples, I will ask one or two little pointed questions and just sit back in the conversation. And, and SJ, I'm sure you do this as well. You sit back in the conversation. I stop talking. They then have their little bubble of, of thing. And I just see this whole shift in their whole demeanor, their behavior, the light bulb goes on. They light up. And they then walk out of my office going, oh, thanks so much, Scott. And I'm like, my, look, my pleasure. Whereas all I did was facilitate. I just facilitated. They're the ones yeah. that had it within them already. And so that's the uniqueness of this money stuff. And the, I guess the privilege that we all hold as financial planners in that we get to have that space with clients. We don't like talking about sex. We don't like talking about money. We don't like talking about politics. I will often talk about all of those things during a client appointment, probably um, uh, depending on, uh, on where, the, where the meeting goes. But it's just about holding that safe space to talk about your money, talk about it with your partner. If you, if you don't have a partner, sit down with yourself, meditate on it, do your journaling, do your exercises with it, just to be more at ease around the money stuff. So if you're listening to this, just be aware that, that within all industries, there's quite a diversity of ideas. And that's what attracted me and Scotty together because I think we, we think relatively similarly. And again, he's far more eloquent in the process. Scott, what is just just mindful of the time? What are the, the what are the key issues that you see wrong with this industry? And I want you to summarize this in almost bullet points and be specific. I mean, I like to think about all the positives that we've got in the industry. We've been through a whole lot of regulatory change over the last few years. I think the things that are wrong with the industry is we have a, a licensing regime, and again consumers don't necessarily see this like clients will come to see me and they'll go oh money mechanics okay yeah we're dealing with you that's your business and then I'm licensed through a group called in focus and so then they go oh well who's in focus and so then I have to explain the licensing regime and so that creates cost it also creates um, I guess inefficiencies in regards to advice provision as well because the regulator sits over here and then the actual advisor sits sits down the down the path so and look, I really love the support that I get from my licensee. Um, I get some some great business support, business development and security to do what I do in the background. But um, it does create some uh, some challenges, I think, for, for an end consumer. Cost is probably that other big thing. Because of all this change, the, the cost to actually deliver advice has just skyrocketed. The, the problem around asset under management fees is one of the biggest problems mm. in, the, in the market. Mm. If you, and, and um, the, the nuances are, if you, if you, for example, have $600,000 in your investment portfolio, or if you have a million dollars in your investment portfolio, the financial advice might be exactly the same. But if the financial planner is charging a percent under management fee, they're going to get paid 40% more for exactly the same advice. And that is obviously one of the biggest criticisms. And it's one of the things that people need to be aware of. Conversely, I think people need to be aware of the fact that if you want really good advice, you need to pay for it. And I know if I was going to go see a lawyer and I needed really specialist advice to help me in something really unique, if I went to the cheapest guy that I could possibly find out in the suburbs of Dandenong or, or Maribyrnong or wherever it is, I don't know if they're going to give me the best advice. But I think if I'm paying for, paying for good quality advice, that's what I'm going to be getting. And I think that's something that people forget. So if you're looking for cheap advice, that's probably what you're going to get in terms of the output and in terms of the quality. Mm, that's, that's a fair call. 
SJ. And, but I mean, look, I would say that advice has to become accessible to people because we've created a regime. We've had, look, I've been in this industry since 2001. So I started, there was regulatory change happening in the background. I think it was called CLERP 6 at the time that was going through parliament. Um, been going on since the 70s. Well, exactly. And the, the, the evolution of our industry into a profession has been going down that journey. And the legislators, politicians said, right, sort yourselves out. Folks, as an industry, go and, go and create your own thing. The banks were involved. Uh, people making money were involved. Commissions, all that other, other things were asset-based fees were, were involved. It really was just left to the industry to sort it out. We've got four, five, maybe six industry associations. And as a profession, it is such a mixed message. I think the last few months of a few of the industry associations have been more alive. As a consumer, again, it's just really challenging to, to do that. But then also as a lobbying group, we saw that mortgage brokers were able to lobby government really, uh, really effectively. Financial planners, not so much because you've got four or five different industry associations trying to represent um, a cohort of 26,000 planners or whatever the, the, the number is now in, in Australia. And so I think that's one of the big problems in our industry. I think, again, that accessibility of advice is a problem because of compliance cost. I think that's a point that I'm going to disagree with you. I think I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take a view on, on the accessibility of the advice because that's just something that we can't control. So it is unfortunate that the, the cost of advice has gone up, but I think there will be a flip side that whenever there's a demand for something, costs do come down in different areas. So you look at practices becoming more efficient. You look at the, the, the rise of robo advice in the future. So if you're Googling this, a, a robo advisor is someone who would, in theory, would be a robot that could pro provide you financial advice. And we, we would think of right now being like, that's, that's preposterous. How could a robot understand my unique goals or, or, or my unique money mindset and my unique futures? But if you look in different industries, how that's been so disrupted, like certainly around the copywriting space. So if you're a copywriter and your job is to write marketing, marketing material. There is robots that will write fantastic marketing material already that are going out into Facebook marketing campaigns, into print marketing campaigns. So I think in 10 years time, there's going to be a rise of robot advisors that'll be doing probably maybe 80% of what we do at the moment. Yeah. Wow. That's look, I, I tend to maybe disagree on that front because I think all that stuff is again, going into the headspace. I think people work with people. And so even I think COVID this year has taught us like being on video, um, you lose some of that client connection. And I've really enjoyed being back face to face with, with some clients and sharing that engagement because there is stuff that happens mm. off camera um, mm. and that, that happens in the real world that we miss out on. So I think that richness of the process is always going to be there. And I do sort of disagree with you on the, the accessibility of advice. I think we as professionals in our industry, have a real, uh, again, we've got a responsibility, I think, to actually help uplift everybody in regards to accessibility of advice. It shouldn't be that the people with a with million dollars or half a million dollars or a, a lump of cash are, are able to get advice. It should be that advice is actually palatable and, and, and attainable for a lot of people. And so it's got to be, again, that's why I like how Scott Pate put stuff together, but also I think it's about us as financial planners having, having a diverse offering so that we can do some, some coaching or education work with clients, but also then do the more detailed advice where we need. And I, and I know ASIC is looking at this at the moment, they're doing a review into the system. They're saying, right, how can we make this happen? And so 
if there's a good framework there, if there's a good foundation there, I think it, it will be amazing for people. It, it gives people some insights. It, it allows everybody access. Yeah, I just want to be. I just want to throw this one out there because I have. I think I've been approached in the last four weeks, every week, by a mortgage broker posing as a financial counselor, and these 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 rise of and I'm giving them quasi financial education programs for people. I don't think they're coming from an honest place. The ones that I've seen, the and they said, yeah, 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 we want to get you involved in this, people, and this is what we're doing. But ultimately, they're just kind of marketing funnels for mortgage brokers or accountants or, or property guys. Or I don't think they're coming from an honest perspective. And if you are if you're literally just Googling financial advice or financial education or, or ways to be better with my money, there's all these courses that are popping up and I don't know if they're actually going to be providing the types of outcomes that we could help people, which would, which is on that mindset, which is on the, the strategy. But I, but I think the framework, the framework is really important, SJ. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but it, and I know this is your podcast. I'm just going to take over, but it, but it's that it, it's the framework being right that is important. And I think, that requires some legislation, but it also requires that industry insight because if it is that dual blogs down the street is setting up a, a financial literacy course and it's just a marketing funnel, then there should be very clear disclaimer on, on that. Whereas if a financial, a licensed financial professional is offering money coaching and financial literacy and education training, then that should have much greater weight than an unlicensed person going through that process. And I know I'm going to offend, uh, I know a number of people who are money coaches. I know a number of people who were financial planners who have, have pivoted into money coaching because they didn't want to have to deal with the licensing and legislation, but look, they don't want to deal with the compliance. They didn't want to do the compliance because they didn't want to do the best interests and that's the yeah. problem. And that's my issue with, mm. with those types of money coaches because they don't want to do the best interest duty, which is what we mm. as licensed financial planners have to provide. Mm. And we have to, if we make a recommendation for someone, it absolutely has to be quantifiably the best thing for you in our view. Um, and if you're just a money coach, it's like, all right, fine. Here's my process. It's very scalable. They've got the PDFs ready to go. They've got the, the online system ready to go and off they go. They're just trying to sell as many of these little hamburgers as they can, which, which is, I think it comes back to, I think, unfortunately, financial planning and financial advice will not be right for, for middle Australia. I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're considering talking to us, you will be in the top 30% of income earners and there will just be a polarization of wealth furthering. So if you, because if you talk to us, we're going to be able to, in my view, significantly well, increase your wealth just through that mindset, just through the options that we have. I don't think it's, if it's right for the global world and if I, if I put my, my peace hat on, it's sad, but I think you should be, you know, if we're taking an individualistic approach to it, then just you will need to pay for good advice in the same way you need to pay for good tax advice. And this is looking at those Panama papers, which is if you're really, really rich, you pay no tax because you've paid for good advice. And I think that's an analogy that you maybe could take if, if you're talking to a good financial planner and that if you're just not that level, then, well, I actually don't know. I think the barefoot investor could help, but you know, that's not my focus. My focus is helping on the clients I work with. Well, yeah, yeah. Look, and, and I think it's, look, we've developed a model that's been, we've been working with over the last um, now 11 years and we have that entry level model as well as our, our more sophisticated model. And I think, again, you, you target your niche, you do what you need to do and you, you, you make that decision from a business perspective. But I guess the thing that I'm passionate about is making financial advice accessible to people. And so it really is important. And again, I don't want to endorse uh, no, plug it. Uh, Go on. having a crack at money coaches, but again, it is, it's about that, that process of going, right. Well, is there, is there some licensing security, the insurances, those things behind 
the the framework. But yeah, so I, I think it's about making accessible. Scotty Malcolm, look, I, I want to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time. Um, people can check out your website, Money Mechanics, or your new podcast. What's his, what's the specific title? Unpacking the... Oh, it's, it's Money Mechanics. So if you jump into uh, Apple or uh, Spotify, if you type in Money Mechanics or Scott Malcolm, uh, I should come up. So uh, I'll appear in your uh, on your screen. Very exciting. Very good. Very good. So thank you so much for joining me. Guys, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day. I've certainly got some things from this podcast and looking forward to our next episode with Mr. Malcolm from Money Mechanics. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks, SJ. Thank you so much. Bye.